G'day, and welcome to the What I Think, Watch, Listen To, and Eat Each Week podcast. My name's Gary, and you can find the show notes at garydlum.com. So, would you prefer to be in quarantine or in isolation? I think there's some confusion about the words quarantine and isolation. And last week I wrote about the confusion some people have about the name of an, of an infectious disease and the name of the microorganism that causes it. Quarantine is when you have been exposed to a contagion, that is, a disease spread by close contact, and you need to be sequestered to avoid spreading the contagion to others. Quarantine is a precautionary measure because while exposure or even the possibility of exposure doesn't mean you've been infected, it's a safety measure to avoid spreading an infection to others, especially vulnerable others who may have never been exposed to the contagion. In the days of the Black Death, otherwise known as plague, which is caused by Yersinia pestis, ships would go into a 40-day period of quarantine. It was thought 40 days was long enough to observe if the plague would reveal itself on board the ship. If no one demonstrated signs or symptoms of plague after 40 days, the people on the ship were free to leave the boat and set foot on land. In Australia, we have animal quarantine rules which are enforced to prevent the entry of diseases which could affect our ability to trade with other countries. More important than the trade implications, though, these measures maintain the health and welfare of the animals we have in Australia. We don't want disease and pestilence here if it can be prevented by good plant and animal biosecurity measures. It's bloody annoying when celebrities, and I'm looking at Amber Heard and uh, Johnny Depp here, when they think it's okay to flout our regulations and bring their pet dogs in on private jets, or when people knowingly bring pork products in when there is a risk of African swine fever virus being brought in, which would devastate our pork industry. African swine fever is a tick-borne disease of pigs, which can also be transmitted in pigs and swine by eating infected porcine products. I'd actually like to see bigger fines and more criminal prosecutions of people who knowingly flout the rules. So isolation, though, is when you're known to have a communicable infectious disease and the aim is to stop you from spreading the infection to others by isolating you away from others. This shouldn't be confused with reverse isolation when you want to protect a vulnerable patient from being infected by others. One of the greatest tragedies that can beset a patient in reverse isolation in a positive pressure room is to have someone, usually through ignorance, switch the pressure to negative pressure. This is why swinging rooms are a bad idea. Swinging rooms may save money, but after a fatal mistake, the cost can be astronomical. I reckon it's fair enough to be confused about quarantine and isolation though. It certainly confuses a lot of people. However, when you read in an authoritative text the words quarantine and isolation, the meaning should be clear. I'm normally critical of journalists who strive for the lowest common denominator by using words like they're tossing a salad with no care for accuracy, precision or correctness. However, when it comes to quarantine and isolation, I can understand why some journalists get confused. That said, journalists for medical and healthcare publications should know better. There's a good amount of confusion and also a little bit of ignorance on Twitter too. If you go to the show notes at garydlum.com, you'll see a couple of images that I've just uh, screenshot from Twitter, uh, and if you click on them, you'll be able to see the threads.
when I saw one, it just made me uh, feel like I was back in high school. I mean, unlike infection with HIV, infections with coronaviruses are usually cleared by immunological systems. In normal human healthy, uh, normal healthy humans, persistent infections with coronaviruses don't usually occur. So I learnt this sort of stuff in high school biology, and I think we need more STEM in high school. I think biology should be compulsory in high school, but I accept I'm biased, and I'm also quite arrogant like that. So what have I watched this week? I've now completed Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis. I've now started watching Stargate Universe. It's really quite dark. I've only watched four episodes of season one so far, and it's pretty hard going. The character of Dr. Rush makes Dr. Mackay from SG-1 and Atlantis look like a saint. Star Trek Picard. Well, this has just been fantastic. The last episode featured uh, Seven of Nine from Star Trek Voyager. She's now a uh, bounty hunter. Oops, spoiler alert. I just can't get over how amazing uh, Jerry Ryan is playing Seven of Nine. What have I listened to this week? Uh, a couple of interesting podcasts that I've enjoyed. So the New England Journal of Medicine Journal Watch Clinical Conversations, episode 253, was about human papillomavirus vaccination. It appears one dose in the context of vaccine shortage may be as effective as a full course. I really have trouble understanding why people are against this vaccine. It prevents malignant disease. It prevents cervical carcinoma in women. It prevents throat and anorectal carcinomas in men and women who practice oral and anal intercourse. And it prevents penile malignancies in men. The only way to avoid some of these malignancies without the vaccine is to avoid any sexual contact with another human being. Open the Iris uh, is another podcast I've just started listening to, and it's a Stargate podcast. It's sort of done in a style similar to Mission Log, which is a Star Trek podcast. Each episode opens with a monologue describing the episode, and the hosts have a chat about the episode. What, sorry, about what the episode means for them. I like this sort of podcast because it provides a good summary of the episode and helps me order in my mind the events of the episode better after seeing it and listen to the monologue. I may not always agree with the interpretation of the meanings, morals and messages shared by the host of the podcast, but it's usually helpful to hear what others are thinking about some of my favourite TV shows. Over at the show notes, as usual, I've got some photographs of the food that I've eaten this week. Feel free to go take a look, click on one of the images and scroll through. I hope you enjoy the food photography. On Yummy Lummy this week, I posted a prawn scallop and speck fried cauliflower rice meal for dinner. And I've written that up uh, at Yummy Lummy. You can also find a link at randymyummy.com as well. And uh, I've also listed the meals uh, of last week from on Yan that I posted on Random Yummy. On Sunday, I had some butter with a little bit of duck. On Monday, salmon and mushrooms. Tuesday, chicken and salad. Wednesday, chicken and peas. Thursday, some potato gems. Friday night, I got takeaway with some seafood salad, coleslaw and potato scallops. And then tonight, Saturday night, was the prawn scallop and speck fried cauliflower rice. So final thoughts for tonight's blog post, uh, the diary blog post, uh, as well as this podcast. How do you feel about swinging rooms? 
Should there be bigger fines and more criminal prosecutions for people who flout our plant and animal biosecurity regulations? And do you think there should be more STEM taught in school? I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you've got any comments, please leave them at the show notes at garydlum.com and leave me a message if you like. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'll catch you later. Bye.